Good morning, church. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, what a wonderful way to celebrate the beautiful ministry of Cedar College. And I thought while we're talking about children, um, we'll talk about how kids love asking questions. Now, any of those of you who teachers or parents will know that your kids ask a lot of questions, and sometimes they really catch you out with the questions they ask, uh, especially when they're about God. So a while ago, my little girl asked me, she said, uh, did God really create everything? And I said, yes, sweetie, he created everything. And then she said, even horses. And I said, yes, even horses. And that was the moment for her, right? She had always been amazed at God, but then she found out he made horses as well. And that just took it over the edge. So he's really special in her eyes. Uh, but let's have a look at what some other kids, the questions that they have, and they wrote some letters. So this is Neil, and he said, Dear God, I went to this wedding, and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Good question, right? Uh, and then there's Larry. Now, Larry just gives the suggestion, right? He says, uh, Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother and me. Uh, yeah, anyone who's had kids, <laughs> the reason you're laughing nervously is because you know that's true. Uh, and then Jane, right? She writes, Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you've got now? <laughs> so good question, right? Uh, but it's amazing, like, as you journey with your kids, you see that they, they observe life. They try to make sense of life. And also, they come across this thing of life and death. And they wrestle with it, as we do. You know, the truth is, maybe we don't like to think about this, but our time will come to an end. You know, there was a time when you were born, and there will be a time when you will die, unless the Lord comes back before then. But there will be an hour where you take your last breath, and you can't change that. Right? And in between all that, we have this very precious commodity called time. Now, all of us do different things with our day. We earn different salaries. But the one thing that we all have in common is that we all have 24 hours to spend. And what we do with our time really determines the type of people we become and the type of future that we have. Right, in today's passage, uh, it's probably the best-known passage in the whole of Ecclesiastes. But even that, it might even be one of the best-known passages or poems in the whole of Scripture. Uh, and it's so good that in the 1950s and 60s, there was the band called The Birds. Now, all the young people are looking at me and like, who are the birds, right? But the birds are around in the 50s and 60s, and they took the exact words of Ecclesiastes 3, and they put it to song. They only added three words of their own, and they put it to song, and it became their greatest song ever. Imagine that, taking God's word, putting it to music, and it's still powerful and effective. Uh, but that's what they did. The only thing with that is this, this poem and the song has then kind of been used as a, as a self-motivation kind of thing, right? I'm in charge. I'm going to decide the times. I'm going to take life by the horns, and I'm going to choose when to do this or when I'm going to do that. But if you read Ecclesiastes 3, that's not what he's teaching us, right? The preacher 
in Ecclesiastes is not teaching us that you get to control the seasons. But what he is saying is the most important thing is how you respond to the different seasons and times in your life. That's, that's where we find meaning and purpose in all of them. Now, what we said is, is when we looked at Ecclesiastes last week, uh, there's this book. It's all about asking blunt, honest questions. And we looked at this question where Solomon is asking, really, is life worth living? Like, what is the point of life? And the truth is, most of us don't really bother asking those questions. We think if we can just uh, distract ourselves with enough entertainment, enough sport, then we don't really have to think about those questions. But really, they are the most important questions that we have to ask. Because if you don't ask them, and you don't find the answers, you will waste your time. You will waste the seasons in your life. We looked at how Solomon, he tried to work out life, and he looked at, he looked at education and learning. He, he looked at work, and he looked at pleasure. And really what he was doing is he was saying, what is the best way to spend my time? What is the best way to spend my life? I've got one life to live. What should I do with it? And the whole sadness of the book, right? We talk about the depths of Ecclesiastes, and it's, it's quite depressing. And it's because it's this older man who's come to the end of his life, and he's saying, you know, I went through all those experiences without ever discovering the answer. I searched for them, and I couldn't find them. And then he says this. He goes, I plead with you, young people, Young people, listen to me. Remember the Creator in the days of your youth because you only get one life. Don't waste your youth. You never get it back again. You must find out what life's all about. And you know, it's, it happens today. We meet middle-aged people and, and they go through this crisis. They're like, I've wasted my life. I've spent my time doing this, and it's, so I've got to change my career. I've got to buy a new car. I've got, to, I've got to do something because I feel like I've wasted it. Or you go and spend time with older people towards the end of their life, and, and you speak to them, and they, they talk about regret and times that they've missed with their lives. But what about us? What about you and what about me? We've been spending time. We spent time yesterday. We spent last week, we spent last month, we spent last year. Ecclesiastes asks us the question, what profit do you have to show for all the time that you spent? Was it profitable or do you feel like you wasted your time? And how do we know? What I love about the Good News translation for this passage is it says this. It says, God sets the time to be born and the time to die. The time for sorrow, the time for joy. He sets the time. So you know what? It really doesn't matter what you put in your calendar over the next few weeks. The most important thing to consider is what has God put in your calendar? What season does God have for you? Because the truth is, None of us, not one of us in this room can say with absolute certainty we can put something in our calendar a month from here and say we will be happy in a month from here. 
We will have a season of great joy and happiness. Not one of us can guarantee that. We might be attending a family funeral. We can't. So, you can't set the times. You can't set the seasons. And yet, what we do with the time God gives us is going to determine whether it has purpose or not. So God sets the time, but he calls on us. It is our responsibility what we do and how we respond in those seasons. And Ecclesiastes is asking us this question. Guys, how are you responding to the season that he has for you right now? You know, uh, as a teacher, I really love Cedar because I used to be a teacher. And in my teaching days, one book that I, I really used a lot of was one called Learning to Ask the Right Questions. And what we see in this passage is, is Solomon asks three really good questions. And the first questions he's going to ask is, is what does man really spend his time from on? When he looks at life, he looks at, at life from, from birth to death, and he goes, what is man spending his time on? How does he fill his days? What does life really look like? And he comes up with these two conclusions. He says, well, I, I can see it, and it looks like life is full of these opposites, these, these contrasts. There's birth, and then there's death, and then there's sorrow, and then there's joy. But then life is also this cycle, you know, the seasons just to see come and go, and it's the same season after the same season. And life just seems full of these, these opposites. You know, and, and while there are these, these moments where we feel incredibly happy or incredibly sad, it does seem like there's the sameness about it, and it just really goes round and round. And you know what? It's true to life. If you, you look at your life, there's probably times and seasons where you've been really happy and you've uh, you felt like everything's going well, everything's working out great. And then the truth is, there's also been seasons where you've been a little bit down and it feels like everything's going wrong. And so there's this contrast there, there's this wrestle there and and, and somehow these opposites just keep happening, and, and life is this series of ups and downs. And the preacher says this amazing thing. He says, you know what? God has done that. You know, one of the reasons I think that this little bit of Scripture is so popular and appeals to us so much is because it affects our own feelings. We, every single one of us can relate to this, Right? We know this is true for us. We have these rhythms of sorrow and joy and birth and death. And as Pastor Jeremy led us today, there are people in our congregation that have been enjoying birth. They've been welcoming children into the world. And there's this joy with that. And yet at the same time, there's some of us who've been bearing parents and grandparents. And death is very much a reality. So Solomon just looks at life. He takes seven verses, right, from verse 2 to verse 8, and, and he, goes, he does these beautiful things where he contrasts life. And it's amazing when I read through them, you know, I think of the different contrasts, and I go, you know what? One, I really like, and I welcome it. You know, how about joy? That's a great thing. And then the other contrast, 
you know what, I'm not so keen on. <laughs> How do I, I don't really welcome that kind of thing into my life. How can I you know, keep that one away or push it away? And the truth is, no matter how hard we try, we want this and we don't want that. But the truth is, all our lives are a mixture of both. So, here's a question for us. Uh, how many of us have experienced good years and bad years? See? All right, how many of us have experienced in the last week a good week or a bad week? All right, for those of you who didn't put your hands up, your turn will come. All right? God has arranged that. You know, the truth is, we, we hope that we'll always be happy. But we're not. There are times when we are going to mourn and we are going to experience loss. We hope that we will never have to bury those we love. And yet we do. Just like that little girl said, she goes, Lord, can't we just keep the ones we've got? Can't we just keep the ones we've got? So Solomon, in, in seven short verses, he really describes the whole of life. He talks about farming, right? A time for planting and a time for reaping, a time for building. You know, there's breaking, breaking down, building up. He talks about love. Uh, you know, when I was preparing for this, I got to that little bit where it says casting stones and gathering stones, and I'm like, what is that about? And so I went looking at the commentaries, and I was expecting something else. And the commentaries say, this is actually a euphemism for making love, right? Who knew? It's, it doesn't sound all that romantic, but it is. And Solomon's saying, you know what? There's a time for it, and there's a time not for it. He, he really kind of covers the whole of life. But if you look at it, he starts with these two, he starts with the biggest fact of life, and then he ends with one of the most powerful forces in our life. So he starts off with something that affects every one of us, birth and death. And look what he finishes with. It's one of the biggest social facts that virtually every one of us face in our lifetime. War and peace. Is that not a reality for us this week? We turn on the television, we look at our news apps, we read the newspaper. We've been confronted with the devastation of what man can do to each other. War, destruction, darkness. You see, most of us will look back on our lives and go, you know what, well, those seven verses pretty much sums up my life, right? It's true. I started with being born and, and I'm going to die unless the Lord comes back before that. And there's all this stuff in between. And, and life kind of seems like these opposites, and it kind of seems like it's just going around in circles. You know, that, the same thing happened to generations before us, and the same thing's going to happen to generations after us. So as Solomon wrestles with this, he gets to his second question, and he goes, well, I've got to answer this. And the second question he asks is, well, who decides the seasons then? Who's really doing this? And the truth is there's only two real options. Either it's chance or it's a choice. Either this, the seasons in your life and the times in your life are purely random, you get what you get, or, or someone is behind it all and controlling them. 
And you have to decide which of those is your answer to life. Uh, a well-known comedian, Ricky Gervais, seems to think it's just luck. It's just random. And this is what he said. It always comes back to us. Why are we here? Well, we just happen to be here. We couldn't choose it. The chance of us being born, that sperm hitting that egg, is four trillion to one. We're not special. We're just lucky. And this is a holiday. We didn't exist for 14 and a half billion years. Then we get 80 or 90 years if we're lucky, and then we'll never exist again. So we should make the most of it. Now, I, I know he's trying to be funny, and he's trying to be flippant about life, but the truth is when you think about that, it is just devoid of utter hope. There's no hope in that. Or there's others who say it's, it's fatalism, right? Everything, absolutely everything has been planned. You were born under a certain star, under a certain tree, and now everything's been planned about your life. There's some force out there in the universe that controls everything. So when you wake up, you brush your teeth, you spill your coffee, you leave home at 8.13 a.m., it's all been pre-planned. Or there are those that say, you know what? I decide. It's my choice. I'm the captain of my fate. I'm the master of the soul. I will choose, I will decide when I'm going to be happy. I will decide when I get to dance. So who sets the seasons? Is it, is it luck? Is it fatalism? That, hey, it is what it is, we just go with it? Or is it, you know what, I'm in charge. What Ecclesiastes will tell us very clearly is that God sets the times. God sets the times, right? He sets the seasons. It's God who will move circumstances in and out of your life, circumstances that will lift you up and circumstances that will humble you. And it's how you respond to God in those times and seasons that is gonna be the secret to whether you find a real point and purpose to every season in your life. See, Ecclesiastes answers that question. He goes, you know what? Who is behind it all? It is not in your power. It is not in my power to control that. It is God who sets the seasons of your life. And when we think about that, and if we just stop for a second, that is the most beautiful thing you can possibly lay hold of. Because this is what we know about God. We know God is not purposeless. He's absolutely purpose-filled. So it means that every season he brings into your life, he has a purpose and a reason for it. That means that the week that is ahead of you, whether it is filled with challenge or joy or good things, you know that there is a reason and a purpose behind it, and there is beautiful things in that. But it does take faith to believe that God sets the seasons. You know, Fatalism or luck will tell you there's nothing I can do about it except put up with it. It is what it is. Whereas faith will say, no, 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 no. What is God saying to me by setting this season for me? What does he want to do in me and through me in this season? You know, the truth is, in a couple months' time, winter will be here. There's nothing we can do about that, right? None of you are powerful enough to stop that. There will come a time where it will be dark, wet, and cold. 
And I suppose, every, no one says hallelujah when I describe that. It's amazing, right? But winter is coming, right? That's the time where we rug up and we put on jackets. And I suppose, if I really wanted to, I could defy the season. I could rock up in my swimming shorts and a singlet and go, you know what, it's cold, but I'm going to defy the season. Now, I have to be honest, there's always an exception to this. And uh, when we arrived here in 2018, it was the middle of summer in Hong Kong, hot and sweaty, and then we arrived in Adelaide, and it was freezing cold. We hadn't experienced cold like that for a while. And we came to church, I was wearing a jacket, a scarf, a beanie, and one of the first people I met was Josh Wright. And he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And I thought, who is this man? Please, Lord, don't let every Australian be like this. And, and thankfully, Josh is the exception to the rule, right? He's, there's only one Josh, right? But for most of us, we wouldn't defy the season. You see, winter will come. And I can choose to cooperate with it, or I can choose to rebel against it. It's the freedom that God has given us, right? God will bring times in your life where there is pain and there is loss and there is sorrow. And what we can try and do is we can try and laugh it off. We can make a joke about it and we can pretend it's not happening. But God doesn't want that. He wants, to, he wants times in our lives. He brings them for a purpose. He brings them for a reason that we would respond to him, that we would get to know him. Maybe he's calling us and bringing it in our lives because we, we need to repent and come back to him. Or, or we can choose to harden our heart. But God sets the season. He sets the season when he wants to bless you and bring goodness and rejoicing. And you, you can have these moments and you meet people who just like, nah, I'm not going to be happy. They're cynical. They're depressed about absolutely everything that happens. Even if it's good, they think it's bad. And God will not force you to go with the times. He will not force you to respond to his season. But a wise person, a wise person moves with the times that God has set before them. When God sends a summer into your life, you just bathe in God's goodness. But when God says a winter, the same person who's full of wisdom will say, God, I praise you for this also because you are wanting to do something with me through it. A wise person, when you're healthy and you're fit and you enjoy being alive and you're breathing, you will say, praise God, I am well and enjoy it and be thankful for it. But the same person, when sickness comes, will say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? What are you trying to say to me? And the third and the last question that Solomon gets to then, he goes, if I've answered these two questions, then then what is the purpose of life? He's still wrestling with this question, right? I, I really love the sheer honesty of Ecclesiastes, right? We can all kind of relate to it. And, and he kind of says, you know what? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, hopefully some of you thought of a U2 song there, right? But that was Solomon's heart. He's, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, that's for Pastor Vincent. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Solomon says, I'm searching for this, but I, I can't find it. So he comes up with this conclusion. And he says to us, you know what? 
I know, I know that God will give us good things, but there will also be bad things in our life. But get this, they are both, they are both beautiful. He says it like this in verse 11. He says, he has made everything, everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Solomon goes, God must be making something beautiful. I just can't see it. Imagine a, a giant tapestry, right? And you've got a lot of people on, on the back side of the, of the tapestry. And they're watching these little bits of thread come through the tapestry. And sometimes it's a, it's a black thread. And sometimes it's a white thread. And sometimes it's beautiful colors. And other times it's a little bit dull. And, and the people are trying to work out what does it all, all mean? What kind of pattern is, is, is they making there? And they just can't work it out. They just can't see what it's all about until someone invites them around to the other side of the tapestry. And they see God and they see him at work and they see that he is the one pushing through the thread. And on his side, on his side is the most beautiful picture. You see, all those strange bits of thread all the dark pieces, all the light pieces, all the beautiful pieces, all the dull pieces, they're actually all working together to make this beautiful picture from his side. You know, the sad thing for Solomon is that he stayed on one side of the tapestry, and he never got round to the other side. He, he, he believed fully that there must be another side, that there must be a picture on the other side, but he couldn't see it. And you know, that's the, one of the differences between a believer and an unbeliever. When you're facing life, an unbeliever will say, oh, I will enjoy what I can, I will grab what I can, I will eat, drink, and be merry. But what a believer says, he goes, I will enjoy what I can, and when God sends something good, I will praise him because it is his gift to me. But I will also praise him for the other things in my life as well. Because I believe that on his side, he is making the most beautiful picture. You know, as believers, we can, we can trust completely that there is something beautiful being made. And doesn't that give you such hope and encouragement when you are going through a valley? When you are mourning and you're suffering pain and loss, when you are being built up, and when it feels like you're being torn down, you can go, praise God, because all of that, all of that is part of a beautiful picture that he is making on his side. And that changes the way we look at the seasons in our life. It changes the way that we go through things. There's a story, there's a true story, uh, of, a, of a young man called Zach Sobiak. And Zach was in a family who loved Jesus. Uh, he had other brothers and sisters. And when Zach was 14, he was diagnosed with cancer, quite a severe form of cancer. Now, for any parent and for anybody, that's a winter. That's a winter. That's a time in your life 
or it feels like there's mourning. And Zach went through 10 surgeries. He went through 24 chemo treatments. And eventually when he was 17, the doctors said, listen, there is no hope. We've tried everything. There's nothing more we can do for you. We suspect you have about a year to live. And so what Zach did with his life is he began writing music, he began writing songs, uh, and he wrote the song that has gone around the world. It's called Clouds. Um, and about a month before he died, they did this program. It's called My Last Days. You can watch it on YouTube. And camera crew comes around, and they spend time with the family, and they interview the mom and the dad and the brothers and the sisters. And they ask them, you know, these questions. How do you feel about your brother dying? How do you feel about your son dying? And then they ask, Zach, how do you feel? And they say this most incredible thing. This most incredible thing. Imagine this is winter. You, you're watching your brother die. You're watching your son die. And they will say, you know, it has been some of the most beautiful times that we've ever had as a family. It's brought us together. It's strengthened my faith. Something beautiful has come about it. It takes a man who knows Jesus to be able to say that. To be able to look at the seasons and you go, know what, God is making something beautiful out of it. Zach died shortly after his 18th birthday. And his mom wrote a book, brilliant book. If you've got time, read it. It's called Fly a Little Higher, How God Answered a Mom's Small Prayer in a big way. You know, uh, his song has been listened to around the world. That My Last Days video has been viewed almost 16 million times, bringing hope, helping people understand the seasons, the things that they are going through. But you know, Solomon couldn't quite see that. He couldn't quite see the other side of the picture. So how did he cope? Well, he comes to this conclusion. He says, Lord, I know that you have set eternity in man's heart, that this isn't all there is. But Lord, I feel like you've prevented me from understanding it all. I feel like you've given me this desire to want to see the full picture, but I just can't. You never really tell us the full picture. Like I, I see a little bit and I know that there must be something good, but what about the whole overarching purpose? What about that? And he, and, he, and he comes to this conclusion and he says, well, like all I can tell you is, you know, have fun, enjoy the good things that God gives you and know that they come from him, but also fear God and trust him that he is weaving out a good picture. Because when I look at him, I know that what he does lasts forever. I know when I do something, it is soon gone. When he does something, it never needs correction or changing. When I do something, I always need to repent, edit, or change. Solomon will say, when God makes his tapestry, it is a permanent thing. It will last forever. When God makes his tapestry out of life, he never looks at it and goes, oh, no, what, what did I do there? Made a mistake. I've got to pull that thread out. Got to, got to put it in. Or maybe I should have used a different color there. No, he knows exactly what he's doing. 
He makes it perfectly. It never needs altering. It never needs correction. never needs adding to. And God works all these things in life. He takes birth and death and joy and sorrow and building up and tearing down, and he weaves them into the picture of your life. But that's as far as Ecclesiastes takes us. And the truth is, we would feel a little bit disappointed, right? I hope you feel a little bit disappointed there. Because really, to sum it up, it's kind of like this. You know, you must spend the rest of your life on the wrong side of the picture. Since you cannot see the picture, and therefore you do not understand what it's all about, enjoy the good things, have fun, remember that they are a gift from God, and fear God, and remember that bad things are part of the picture, but you just can't see it. That's the best Solomon could say. But when we turn to the New Testament, when we open our Bibles, I read this in Ephesians chapter 1. This is what it says in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In the New Testament, guys, the secret's being revealed. He's taken all of us around to the other side of the picture. We look and we go, I now know what life is all about. I now know what God is doing with my life. I now know that every season he brings, he is doing something with me. Everything can be summed up in Christ. That is his purpose. And you see this. You see when you come to know Jesus and you become a child of God, you you see that life isn't just uh, these cycles that go up and down and these these seasons that seem to be never-ending. No, no, no. Now we see that there's a point to it all. There's a point to it all. Everything has a beginning and an end. God has a plan, not just for your life, but the whole of mankind. History really is his story, and it's been played out, and it all comes together in Christ, in Jesus. It brings it all together. We look at it and go, no, everything that's happening in my life, everything that I go through, he's using it to mold me into the image of his son. He's using it so that I will know him more. I will realize just how beautiful he is. He is making all things new. He's preparing us for an eternity with him and all that follows. You see, the, the time of your birth and the time of your death, God has he's weaved that into his tapestry of, of your life. And when you know that, doesn't it change everything for you? We have this hope, right? A genuine hope. And we can say now with absolute certainty, If you know Jesus, you can say, I know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and according to his purpose. It means that we can say we can wake up tomorrow and you can say, I know that there are times of dancing and there are times of sorrow, there are times of planting and reaping, and yet every experience that God has set before me is going to work for good. And he's part of the most beautiful picture, and it's a picture with him at the center. 
You know, whatever experiences you go through, whatever season he has you in, whatever time he has you in, you can say this, my times are in his hands. You see, whatever I put in my calendar doesn't really mean anything. It's what he's put in our calendar that's important. And guys, the truth is I might not love, I might not welcome everything that God puts in my calendar, but I know it will be beautiful. I know it's there for a purpose. I know that all things are brought together in Christ, and that means I can now, I can suffer, but it's in Christ. I can dance, but it's in Christ. It has meaning, it has purpose. Life is now a whole, life is a beautiful thing in Him. You know that phrase, uh, my hands, my times are in your hand, comes from Psalm 31. And just a few verses earlier in that same Psalm, it says this, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now who said that? Church, who said that? Jesus, when did he say it? On the cross, Jesus, a young man of 33 years old, right? A man whose life has been taken away from him, right? He's stretched out on a cross. He's about to die, and yet all he did with his life is love people, serve people, teach people, minister to people, and now he's gonna die. And if you look at his life, he only spent three years in public ministry and the people watching this could have gone, oh, no, what a, what a tragedy, what a waste of a life, this young man who's dying at 33. But Jesus would say, it is finished. It is finished. You see, Jesus, he didn't travel much. He didn't write any books. He wasn't married. He didn't have any kids. And if you kind of look at that, his life is almost the exact opposite of Solomon. Solomon got to enjoy all those things. And yet in Jesus, we see that he fulfilled the most beautiful and perfect picture of life that has ever been. You see, in, in his life, Jesus responded to the times which he knew and trusted that his father had set. Earlier in his life, they came to kill him, and Jesus says to them, he goes, you know what? My time has not yet come, because he knew what time it was. Jesus knew when it was time to have fun at a wedding with his disciples. He also knew what time it was that his father had set for him to go to Jerusalem and die a sacrificial death. Jesus always knew what time it was. So when Jesus got to the end of his life, he could say with such confidence, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit because I know that my times are in your hands. See, Jesus had known the times of his life and he had done everything that his father wanted him to do. And the truth is, that is true for all of us. That is the time that we've got too. You don't have time to spare. All of us have one life, one life to live. And God has given you just enough time to do everything 
everything that he wants to do in you and through you. He has set the times. But life is also too short to waste the time he's given you. So here's the question I want to ask you all this morning. Do you realize, do you see the season that he has you in? The time that he has you in? And how are you responding to that season? The time that he has set for you, how are you responding to that season? For some of us, this is a season, a time to fall in love and get married. For some of us, it's time to give your attention to other things. And God will make that clear to you. He will make it clear to you what he wants you to turn away from and what you need to start giving your time and attention to. For some of you, it's time to seek the Lord. You've been coming along and you're just kind of hearing about this Jesus thing. And he would say to you, it's time. Seek me and live. It's time. For some of us, it might be to consider what is the Lord calling you to? What is he calling to you? What is the time that he has next? Maybe it's full-time ministry. You see, my times and your times, they're in God's hands. And that is a beautiful thing. It means that we can wake up tomorrow morning with such trust, such hope. You know, whatever this week brings for us, right, whether it's a week of, of dancing or it's a week of mourning, like we can say, Lord, you set the times and it will be beautiful in its time. My, my life is in your hands. And I know, I know that if I trust you and follow you, you will make something so beautiful out of it. All of it. All of it. Will you stand with me? And let's ask, let's cry out right now in prayer to our Heavenly Father who has our times in our hands, in His hands. And ask Him, Lord, be with us. Be with us in these seasons. Be with us in the season as a church. Lord, we want to respond well to you in every season that you have for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is just so beautiful and so precious. That takes life to what it really is. Lord, we thank you for the hope that is in Christ. We thank you that everything is put together in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we now see this beautiful picture that the mystery has really been revealed for us, that we can rejoice in Christ. Father, I pray for us as all of us have different times and seasons in our life, Lord. Would you help us to be a humble people that responds to you, Lord? That, Lord, even when things are difficult, Lord Jesus, we know that you are working something good in them. Father, I pray for us as a church. Lord, would we be a church that seeks to do your will, that seeks to discern what season you have us in and to respond how you would have us in that season.